Oh, right behind me. Very good. The Bible reading this morning is from 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 to 18. And as for other matters, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honoured, just as it was with you. And pray that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people, for not everyone has faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen you and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord that you are doing and will continue to do the things we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into God's love and Christ's perseverance. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example. We were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it. On the contrary, we worked night and day, labouring and toiling, so that we would, be a would not be a burden to any of you. We did this not because we did not have the right for such help, but in order to offer ourselves as a model to you to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this rule, the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat. And we hear that some of you among you are idle and disruptive. They are not busy, they are busy bodies. Such people we command and urge in the Lord Jesus Christ to settle down and to earn the food they eat. And as for you, brothers and sisters, never tire of doing what is good. Take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter. Do not associate with them in order that they may feel ashamed. Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. Now may the Lord of peace give you peace at all times in every way. The Lord be with you. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand, which is the distinguishing mark of all my letters. This is how I write. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thank you very much for that reading. Well, guys, um, you're going to have to keep an eye on the clock for me. I'm one of these people who preach um, with a subconscious uh, idea of time. And so I'm standing up here thinking, man, I've got so much time to bring the word this morning. This is the first time I've done the front-loaded service. So uh, if you think I'm going long, please just start doing this and uh, I'll wrap it up as soon as I can. So this morning is our final week of the Thessalonian series that we have been going through. Oh, okay, so I'll close in prayer. Someone just wound me up. <laughs> that was a little cheeky, but we'll deal with that later. <laughs> So last week we dealt with what was the major uh, matter that Paul wanted to deal with with the Thessalonian church and it was that incorrect report that Jesus had perhaps already returned and these guys felt that they had missed it so there was a bit of a confusion with them and Paul explained explicitly that not only had Jesus not returned but Paul had already told them. He had said, these are the things that are going to happen when Christ comes. This is what you need to be looking out for. And that has not happened. So think about what I have taught you. Think about what I have written to you. And stand on those things. Don't be swayed by those who come and say things that are counter to what I have taught you. And the lesson in the midst of that for us was be founded on God's word. Don't just listen to what people say. Check what God's word says. And I believe Pastor Darrell and myself always challenge you guys, don't believe what we say from the front blindly. 
We believe we proclaim God's word and proclaim it the way it should be. But you should be checking. You should be going home and immersing yourself in the chapter we have presented that day and checking that what we see lines up with what God says. And then if there's any issues, see Pastor Darrell. So the apostles wanted the Thessalonian church to reflect on what was said and stand on those truths, not being swayed at all by those around them. And we finished last week with those awesome words of encouragement and about how Paul thanks God for the church and how he prays for them and how they received the gospel and how it was not only just the fact that they were increasing their faith, they were standing upon what Paul said, but they were also loving in a manner that they could not believe. And that love was so obvious to those around them that people's lives were being changed as a result and more and more people were being brought into the church simply because of that. What a powerful proclamation to people if we were to love each other and to love God that much. That's where we want to be as a people of God, surely. That's how we want to be seen within our communities. So before we get into what we're going to do today, let's just pause and pray again. Father God, thank you for your presence in this place. Very simple prayer now, Lord. Reveal to us the truth of your word. Help us to apply it to our lives. Help us to have soft hearts that are willing to change for what you call us to do. We submit to you and your authority, Lord. And we want to respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul, in this letter, in this last chapter, actually throws something out there. He's just said about how he prays for the Thessalonian church, what he says to God and everything like that. And then he says, pray for us. And guys, I can't tell you how important this is. Paul says, we need prayer. Me, Timothy and Silas. We need you guys to be praying for us. And in 3.1 he says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honoured as happened among you. And the term here, word of the Lord, is the same term that Paul used back in 1 Thessalonians 1.8 where he spoke of how the word rang out from the Thessalonian church. They were so accepting of what God said, they applied it to their lives in such a way that it rang out. It was like bells pealing. Who's heard bells pealing? Yeah? Half a dozen people. The rest of you, you've missed out. Seriously. Like, if a bell is ringing, you hear it everywhere. I used to have an auctioneer bell when I used to do auctioneers on acreage, auctions on acreage, and people could hear it right across the property. That's all you had to do to bring them up to start the auction. It's something that is clearly heard for miles. And that's what Paul says the Thessalonian church did. They accepted the message and they accepted it in such a way and lived it out that it was just heard right across the area that they were in. And Paul says, pray it happens again. Pray that there's more of that. We want that to occur again and again. These people understood the depth of the message and they just threw themselves at Christ's feet and applied it to their lives. Many people were coming to faith, not just because the Thessalonian church believed, but because they were proclaiming that powerful message, how it had changed their lives, the difference that it had made for them. So remember back to that report, Paul was in turmoil. He had these newfound Christians in the faith. And he was concerned because they'd been kicked out. Remember we heard in Acts, they'd been kicked out. And he was concerned that these guys weren't established in the faith. And in 1 Thessalonians 3, Timothy comes back and says, You know what, Paul? These guys, they're standing on what we've taught them. It's incredible. 
They're founded on the faith. They haven't let that go. They're secure. But more than that, they're loving. They're loving in a way that you would not believe. They're loving their brothers and sisters. They're sharing amongst the community. They're growing each other as a result because they genuinely care for each other. And the community is seeing that. The surrounding neighborhoods and communities are commenting and responding favorably towards the church because of how they love. And more and more people are coming to faith. And this is what Paul wants more of. Paul says, I want God to continue to bless the word that is being proclaimed. We want to see people responding to that word and turning to Christ. We want to see people realizing they need to confess the sins that they have done and call upon Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And because Paul wants that so bad, he says to the church, please pray that that will happen. And not only pray that that will happen, but pray that it will happen just like it did with you. Pray that we will proclaim the word and that people will respond and that they'll apply to their lives and more people will respond as a result of that. Pray that people will grow up in the faith, that they will see the need for Jesus in their lives and they'll put aside all else and make him the one Lord and Savior of their life. He will be their God and they will genuinely be his people. Is that what we want for SDBC? Three people, praise God. It's the little things God told me this morning. I'll work with you three. We'll get the others on board. And then he goes on to say, and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and the steadfastness of Christ. Now, this is connected to the prayer that Paul has just asked for. Paul is saying that there are people who are going to try and work against sound teaching. There are people who are going to oppose the leadership. And they're going to try and counter what Paul has said, what Timothy has said, and what Silas has said to the church. And Paul is saying, pray that the word will not be hindered or held back because of the things that those people say. How can it be prevented from being hindered and held back? The people being established in truth. The people knowing what is true and what has that little twist on it which would guide them away from truth. And it's no different here. If we want to prevent that from happening within our congregation we need to know the word we need to stand upon the truths that are contained in that so that we can discern when someone is twisting what is before us and we can disregard what they say and hold fast to the truth that God has given us we are told here that evil will not prevail but it will not prevail only if we stand on that truth. God is faithful. He will establish us. If we have a desire to grow in faith, it doesn't matter if you can't read so well. It doesn't matter if you don't understand Scripture so well. If you have a desire to grow in faith with God, you will grow. We as a community are going to have a primary focus on life groups next year. And we want each and every person involved in life groups so that they can grow in the faith. Iron sharpening iron again. Gathering with Christian brothers and sisters so we can learn what it means to live for Christ each and every day, not just on Sunday. And we're getting little glimpses of that in some of the things that are happening in the church. And it's really exciting for me for people to come back and say things like, you know what, I spoke to my friends at work about Jesus for the first time. And none of them have been crucified. None of them have lost their job. 
None of them have been cast out. In fact, for most of these people, they're so excited about the fact that these people want to engage with them. They want to know what they believe. They're not at that point where they're going to confess faith in Jesus Christ. But they're asking, why do you believe what you believe? And this is the mandate upon our life, to be that salt and light in the world so we draw people to Jesus. That is what we're called to do. Our attitude towards each other, the way we conduct ourselves, is so important. And I really hope you've got that through Thessalonians. I really hope you understand that how we love each other is paramount to how the gospel is advanced in our communities and in our workplaces. First and foremost, we must have this desire to see Christ in us. And we need to submit fully to him and his will. And then our hearts will be directed not only to the love of God, but our hearts itself will be directed by the love of God. And all the barriers that have been put up, the things that prevent us from loving our brothers and sisters in Christ, they'll be dissipated, they'll fall away, and we will grow to have this genuine love for each other. And surely that's what we want. Can you imagine being in a church that's like that? Can you imagine where the intention of the people is to in all things direct themselves and each other to God? I mean, how incredible would that be? But how do we get there? What are we called to do? We seem to complicate things, but the reality of the situation is this is all we need to do. Nothing else. If we decide that we want to live our lives for Christ, that's all we need to do. Don't hear me wrong. This isn't a works-based faith I'm talking about because part of obeying the word is submitting to the Lord Jesus Christ as, his Lord, as your Lord and Saviour. Part of it is repentance, not just a one-off event. Because you know what? We still mess up. So part of obeying the word is continually repenting before God and asking for his forgiveness, being re-cleansed and um, seeking his will in your life. And obeying the word is a topic that Paul brings up again and again. He's mentioned it several times in these two letters. He reminds the Thessalonians of what he said to them before, without us even knowing what it was that he said before, but he's pointing back to that obedience of the word. And he tells them to stand firm on all the apostles have told them, taught them, and written to them. And then he comes to a couple of specifics about obeying the word. And this is really outstanding. There's a very good translation in the NIV, actually. I don't normally use the NIV myself, but this came out very, very clearly. In uh, the ESV, it says, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. And I put up the amplified version there as well, which I sometimes go to. Now we command you, believers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by his authority, that you withdraw and keep away from every brother or sister who leads an undisciplined life and does not live in accordance with the tradition and teaching that you receive from us. And I think this is the bit that we miss. When we speak about idleness, we think about those who are not working. We think about those who are not pulling their weight. And there was certainly this group of people who weren't working the way that they should. And they were depending on their more wealthy brothers and sisters in Christ to supply their needs. And Paul has said quite clearly, if that's the case, let them not eat. They'll change their attitude real quick if they've got no food. Allow them to work for what they require. And that's the good Christian thing to do. That's the way they should be living. But this is more than that. The bit we miss is that it's speaking about those who are undisciplined. 
And it says to stay away from the idle and the disorderly. And there's clear instruction here, especially when we consider the example of Paul when he was with the Thessalonians. And this is that example that he was setting. Apostles and those proclaiming the gospel had a right to expect to be catered for. And, and it was something that was done in the early church where they would come to proclaim the word and someone would invite them into their house and they would feed them during their stay there. And Paul says, no, when we were with you, we wanted to be an example about how you should live. And so we didn't take even a slice of bread off anyone. When we were with you, we were working and we supplied for our own needs just as you should. And we weren't given over to idleness. We weren't those busybodies that we spoke about. We spoke about God and his word. You need to be the same. That's the message that Paul says. And they were at that example of the believers. And back in 1 Thessalonians 4, 12 and 13, Paul emphasized that he instructed the Thessalonians to work with their hands, to live quietly and to mind their own affairs. Don't be busybodies. Don't be disorderly. Don't stir up trouble. And this was the very foundation of their community. Paul wrote this as that church was being established. And Paul is now saying, keep away from those who do not follow that teaching which we gave you way back then. Most of you are doing the right thing, but there's this little faction who keeps stirring up trouble. Don't have anything to do with them. Withdraw from them. That's what this passage says. And we're told that the reason for doing that is so that they will be ashamed. They will come to realize what they're doing is wrong. And they will repent. And when they repent, they're accepted back into the community of the church. They're put back in their rightful place with the people of God. That should be the focus and the aim. And what is incredible here is that the responsibility falls on the congregation. It's not on Paul. It's not on Timothy. It's not on Silas. He says, you know what you should do. I've commanded you to do this. And he's now commanding the church to distance themselves from these people. And he says, for you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us because we were not idle when we were with you. And Paul is saying, you know how we conducted ourselves and that is the way you should conduct yourselves. Anyone who does not accept our word or who is idle or disruptive should be dealt with. You saw us do it when we were with you. And Paul is contrasting the behavior of the apostles against those who are making trouble in the community. He's basically saying, look at how we conducted ourselves and look at how they're conducting ourselves. Can you see the difference? And if you can, you need to make a call. It's on you. Who is it that is honoring God and who is dishonoring God? Who is building up the people of God and who is tearing them down? And you know the difference, but you're not doing anything. You need to step into this. You need to make a difference. And 2 Thessalonians 3.11 says, For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. And again, there's the obvious reference here of those who are living off their brothers and sisters who have greater wealth than them, which we've dealt with before in previous messages and services. But then there's this other group of people who are the busy bodies that Paul is talking about. They are people who give the appearance of serving and being busy. These are people who aren't idle as in not working in fact they're very active people but the activities that they undertake are unproductive they're activities that are irresponsible they're activities that are disruptive and these are the people who will declare that they're involved in legitimate work or activity 
But the reality is, their activity is disruptive. It's damaging to the church. It's damaging to the community. And it becomes a burden rather than a benefit upon the congregation. And Paul says, you know this. You know who these people are. And you need to deal with it. And if there's any misunderstanding at all, Paul makes it clear in 2 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 15. Now such persons we command and we encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone, listen to this, if anyone does not obey what we say in this letter, take note of that person, have nothing to do with them, that they may be ashamed. Do not regard them as an enemy, but warn him as a brother. And Paul has commanded the congregation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's taken this very, very seriously to keep away from those who are troublemakers and not working. And he commands the people involved to work for their living and do so quietly. Don't be stirring up trouble. That's what he's calling us to do. And for the rest of the congregation, he's saying, keep doing what you're doing. Never tire of doing good. If anyone disregards what is being taught, if anyone goes against clear teaching, take note of them. Have nothing to do with them. That's the clear teaching of Scripture. And it's your responsibility as a people of God. How does this apply to us as a people of God? Quite frankly, I, on behalf of the pastors, would ask you to pray for us. We need it. We need it desperately. We come up against so many things that we desperately want to do the right thing. And so many of the decisions we need to make don't have clear guidelines. And so we do the best we can with what we have. And you know what? I agree with you. We don't always get it right. And we need wisdom. We need guidance. We need Holy Spirit to step into situations sometimes which we've got no idea to do in what to do. But we have been called. You need to understand that. You've heard us say, you've heard me say, being a pastor is not my first preference in life. In fact, far from it. But I am called by God to be the spiritual shepherd of the people here at SDBC for this season. That is my call. And that call has been affirmed by you as a congregation. And every pastor that is here has been affirmed by this congregation as being called by God to shepherd these people. We are the spiritual leaders. You can fight that as much as you want, but that is the call on our life. And yeah, if we could resign, we would, but God doesn't accept our resignations. We're stuck here. So you have to work with us. And that's what I desperately, dearly want. I really want to work together with the people of God so we can change some of the attitudes that are here. There are people who say, we have no spiritual authority. Why are you here listening to us? I'd just as soon you get up and walk out. Seriously. Because you're not obeying what God says in his word. You're not obeying what we've heard here this morning. And there's this joke that goes around that says, we had a great sermon this morning and we're having roast pasta for lunch. And you laugh because you know it's true. There's people here who roast the pastors. 
We need you to pray for grace for us, for being able to pick our battles, if you like, to know when we should stand up and say, you know what, you're wrong. But also to know when we should let something through to the keeper. And trust me, we've got a good keeper. He's catching lots of stuff. But they're just battles not worth fighting. We want to focus on the main thing, and that's growing people in Christ. None of us would choose the roles that we have, but there's this real comfort and security in knowing we're exactly where Christ would have us to be. And you'll hear Elena and I say that again and again. We questioned whether we should commit to SDBC more fully than we have, and we got on our knees and we prayed about it, and we sold our house and we're moving. We're committed to this place. And we're here for the long haul. And we want to see God do great things. And he's blessing us with little things at the moment, but we want to see that expounded. We want to see more and more people engaging with Christ and understanding what it is like. And we do delight in being in these roles. When we talk about the great things that God is doing, all the pastor's faces light up. We want to know about those things where you're engaging with God. When people talk about the fact that they're doing things in the community for Jesus, we're just so excited because that's what we want to see you doing. Just this week, I had one of the young ladies who's been doing something for seven years and the wider congregation don't know about it. Man, I was excited. I just had to contact her and say, thank you so much for doing that. Christ is working through you. And we want to see that multiplied and more and more and more. So this becomes a place the community will miss because we are serving them. Pray that the gospel will go forward from this place, that we won't just be sitting on these premises, we'll be standing on the promises and we'll be having an impact upon those who we say that we love because we want to see them in the kingdom of God for all eternity. Can you imagine what it would be like standing on that day And seeing your loved ones are not in glory with you. We need to motivate ourselves to be reaching these people we say we desperately care about. And we want the message to go forward daily. We need people who desire first and foremost to understand the message of the gospel and how it changes your life. The fact that we stand in God's grace and love each and every day. And if we open ourselves to that grace and love, we're going to be filled to overflowing. We're going to have this grace and love pour out to those around us. And they will be changed because of that. Not because of who I am. I mean, man alive. I haven't told you half the bad stuff about me. And if you heard, you'd possibly see if you could rally a quorum to get me out of here. But God is so gracious and he uses us in the midst of our heartaches and struggles. And then regardless of them, if we submit ourselves to him, he'll take that little offering and he'll make something great of it. Think of the little boy with the five fishes and the loaves. They were nothing in his hands. A meal for maybe one or two people. And he gave it to Christ and he multiplied it amongst those people. He will do the same with the little faith that you have. You just have to be willing to give it to him. Is someone winding me up yet? I've got to be getting close. You know what? Can we make this a place of celebration? Can we begin to celebrate when great things of faith happen? When people come to Christ, can we celebrate that? Can we get excited? When people say that they're serving God in the community, I mean, they're so humble when they talk about this, but can we celebrate that? That's the good stuff. That's the stuff we want to see happening. Let's get excited about it. Let's spur each other on. Let's see if we can support them in other ways so that they can continue doing those great things for God and his kingdom. And this next thing I'm going to talk about is even harder for us as a people of God. If we believe we can be a people with God's help who will truly unrelentingly love each other, God's grace, God's love, God's glory. 
then we have to be doing what the Word tells us to do. Today, we've been heard, we've been commanded to distance ourselves or keep away from those who are idle or disruptive. That is a hard word. It's a firm word. It's the word of God. The responsibility is on you as a congregation to stand against these people. If they're creating disruption, if they're creating disunity, you need to stand against them. If we want unity here, if we want to know and be known for our love, then those of us here who love the Lord need to stand up for what we believe in. If we see a brother or sister being attacked, we need to stand up for that. If that brother or sister is a pastor, a PT member, a leader of a ministry here, you need to stand up. You can't leave them hanging on their own. You are accountable to God. When he makes a command, he doesn't make it lightly. And he has commanded that you do this. And there are people in this church who will be quite active. And the problem is, their actions are disruptive. They're breaking down the unity of this church. It's not just this church, it's right across churches. But it's happening here in this church. What they do has been and will be a burden upon us as a people of God. And from the scripture we have read today, you're commanded to stand against them, to make that stand, to speak up for the unity of this church. And we need to keep each other accountable for our actions, our comments, and our labor. And all of them need to be beneficial for the church, not detrimental and not a burden. And my prayer and desire is that we will continue to grow here spiritually and numerically. When we get the spiritual right, we get the numerical growth. I'm not a person who says we should have a thousand people here and then we know God's blessing. I'm a person who says we need to be doing things spiritually correct. And when we do things spiritually correct, when we're engaged correctly, God will bring the other blessing. Because people will want to know what it is we're on. If we've got this crazy love that we keep talking about, people are like, what are those people doing in that building? I've got to find out. And so the numerical growth happens. And if that's what we want, we have to trust the spiritual leadership of the church in whatever guise that is. We have been put in authority to guide you spiritually. You must equip and empower and release those in spiritual leadership to do the job we have been called to do. And remember, it's not just a call by you, the wider congregation, because you've called us. It's a call by God as well. And trust me, we're going to be judged for this when we get to glory. Read your scriptures. We've got a much worse lot than others. And we're especially going to be judged because we are teachers. There is huge responsibility in that. This is straight from God's word this morning. If you don't think it is, don't come and talk to me this morning. I'm not interested. Go home, read the word, dwell in it. Then come back to me with scripture, not your own opinion, that refutes what I've said this morning, which refutes what's before you from God's word. Paul says, if anyone does not obey our word, what is said in this letter, have nothing to do with them. As hard as that is, it's a biblical truth when it comes to pastors as well. Look at that, that should have been up ages ago. Why didn't you warn me? This is only three passages which all say that you should respect those who are in leadership over you, which say you should obey your leaders and submit to them. 
that say that your leaders are worth double portion. And there's many more verses that say the same thing. And guys, we're not going to take a rod to beat you over the heads. We believe we should be serving you. And that's what we endeavour to do. But first and foremost, that's spiritual servitude. It's to grow you in the faith. And sometimes we have to have harsh words with you because you're not doing what God would have you to do. And I'm not going to back off from that. It's what God has called me to do. And I've got to be honest, I'm going to listen to him more than I listen to you. I believe that's what I'm called to do. So Paul's hope and ours is that those who are creating situations that are detrimental to the unity of this church, they'll repent and there'll be no need for discipline. That is what Paul desires. That's what he's writing to the church to say. And so Paul and us would like to finish this message exactly how Paul did. He said, be blessed. And he's got this threefold blessing at the end of this Thessalonian letter. And he's believing that God's will will be done. People will repent. And that unity will be brought back into the church. And Paul says, Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times in every way. May the Lord be with you all, all, with everyone. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the sign of genuineness in every letter of mine. It is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. And this is a wish that you will experience the peace of Jesus Christ himself. That's what Paul is saying. And that's our desire for you. He is our peace. And more than that, may God continue to be with you, not just today. May you experience his peace here. May he continue to be with you throughout this week. May you know his peace each and every day. May his presence surround you continuously. May you know his love. And may Jesus' grace be upon you all. His unmerited favour, his grace and his love poured out so freely. And when it is, you'll be those instruments he needs you to be in our community. Let's close in prayer. Father God, thank you so much for this message this morning. A hard message, Lord. A message that again challenged me. And Lord, my desire is that we won't close our hearts to what you have to say. There's much truth, all truth, in what has been said. And Lord, we so want to be those people who are recognised by the wider community as a people who love you dearly. So Father, for those you've spoken to, let them take steps to change their lives. Let them be willing to put this in place. And Lord, for us as a people of God, let us never grow weary of putting you first, of loving each other, of growing in our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.